and welcome to our podcast, The Ups and Downs of a Small Business Owner, where we hope to show you exactly what it's like to grow a business. Hello and welcome to our podcast, The Ups and Downs of a Small Business Owner, where where we hope to show you exactly what it's like to grow a business. I'm here with Matt Beswick from Era, Digital Marketing Extraordinaire, Strategy Director, social media gaming company director and semi-retired co-founder yeah pretty much you've obviously been through my linkedin so <laughs> hearing some of that was actually a little bit odd because it's stuff that i've kind of put in over over the years but yeah essentially I, I run a couple of businesses now one is era and we are a 50 something person agency that i started with paddy my co-founder back in 2000 and 15. So we've obviously kind of grown from four people in a room to 50 or so now, but I, I took a step back from, from ERA in July last year. So he's running the show now. He's kind of in there every day, heading up the team. Has a great team around him as well, so no worries there. But when I stepped back, the aim was to work probably four days a week, maybe three days a week, spend a bit more time with the kids and, and chill for a bit. That lasted about a month. I now work with my wife in Blush, which is another digital marketing agency, but much smaller. So there's four of us at the moment. I work kind of there part-time and I'm effectively employed by my other half, which is interesting. But yeah, kind of splitting time between Era and, and Blush. So do they actually compete with each other at all or is it very... No, it, it is very different. We actually had an incident not too long ago where we accidentally pitched for the same client without knowing it which is the first time it's happened and was never the aim. But the, the client profile of Blush and Era is quite different. So Blush is very much kind of SME, small business led. We work with, with growing businesses and budgets there are increasing. But Era is more focused on kind of larger businesses. So kind of larger marketing teams, higher budgets essentially, because we have a bigger team and a bigger agency needs to, to charge higher fees. So generally the smaller companies can't afford to pay for, for Era's services. So yeah, hopefully we don't compete too much. This client that we kind of crossed paths on was right in between the two and had a little bit of a flexible budget as well. So yeah, not not ideal and not something that I would like to repeat because it, it's not the point of doing this. I'm not out to kind of have blush as an error competitor or error as a blush competitor. Yeah, yeah. So you said you started in 2015. There was four of you in a room. Yeah. How did that happen? I've been freelance for a long time. So I, I accidentally fell into into doing SEO. And again, like back in the day, nobody went out to, to try and be an SEO. You didn't go to school and say, I know what I'm gonna be when I grow up. I'm gonna go and do some stuff on Google. It was, it was a profession that you kind of fell into. So I was freelance for a while, ended up kind of going to a lot of conferences and, and meeting a lot of people in the industry. And as that happened, um, kind of built up a client list, had one person working for me and decided that I kind of wanted to grow. At the same time, I kind of knew Paddy from a previous role. I'd been CTO at another agency and actually hired his wife into that agency and got to know him through that. So just events and going to the pub and we just decided it was the right time. So there was myself and two others. We were just hiring our, our third at that point and Paddy came on board in the January and, and off we went. And, and now it's 50 strong? 50-ish, yeah. Right. I should know exactly, but... <laughs> I've got an excuse, I mean, I'm not in there every day, so I, it's about 50. I guess it's changing every every month and, yeah, exactly. and things like that. Yeah. So what, what was your dream? What did you want to achieve? That's a great question. 
I think I, I'd always wanted to run my own business ever since I was probably younger than 16, not very old. I knew that I wanted to do my own thing. I didn't know what that would be. And this all started with me kind of getting involved in an online game that I ended up helping out the guy that had made it. And we started building this kind of mini business. And, and that was great experience when you're 16, 17 years old. Never went anywhere, but I, it kind of showed me that you can do your own thing in, in one way or another. And then like, fast forward to when Facebook opened up their API, I had a job in an IT company. And again, I, the, it was just an opportunity to go and build something. So I made this game. So I'd got this kind of repeat habit of just trying to build something and, and seeing what happened with no real kind of thought or logic behind it. I was just doing it to see. So it's not, it's not really a dream, but I knew that I wanted to do my own thing. I knew that I didn't want to be kind of employed by somebody else for my whole life. How that looked, didn't, didn't really know. Right. And then did you ever expect ARA to get to the size it did? It has, sorry, it's not, it's still yeah. going. Yes, yeah, we, we, haven't, we haven't gone bankrupt yet. I don't know, yet, yes we did. The, the aim that we had when we started was to get to kind of the four million pound turnover, 40 or so people, kind of grow, grow up to that kind of scale. We never really wanted to be the 100, 200 person agency. That may have changed slightly. I don't know if we'll, we'll ever kind of push on and, and get to that scale, but we're, we're much more comfortable with, with growing to a larger size now, just as we've kind of experienced growing the business. So it, it sounds, does it sound bad? It, yeah, probably. I think, I think we, we knew that we were gonna grow something. And if, if somebody was just starting out it, from your shoes, you know, in that room, what advice would you give them right now? I think knowing what you want to get to when you start out is really important. Like we knew that we wanted to grow an agency to that 40, 50 sized person company. Like that, that's okay that we wanted to do that. Equally, I think there's a lot out there at the moment where lifestyle businesses aren't a good thing or aren't seen as being something that, that people should aspire to have. I actually think that's absolutely fine. Like if that's what you wanna do, you wanna grow a company to be five, 10 people and just be able to work when you need to, work hard, like you have to put the hours in, but at the end of the day, like you, you're not taking on the responsibility of having 50 or 100 or 1,000 people working for you. That's absolutely fine. But when you start out, you need to know what your aims are. And if that, if that changes, that's okay as well, but know what you want to get to and know what you want to try and get to and have a rough plan of how you want to get there. Like my mine and Paddy's business plan was don't fuck it up. So that, that's that's a good starting point. But yeah, just, just at least have some idea of where you want to get to because if not, what you end up with is a company that doesn't have that kind of structure that sits around it to know what it's going to be in 10, 15, 20 years time. And for a lot of people, when you start a business, that, that doesn't matter to you. But I'll tell you now, it matters at the point that you get that five, 10, 15 years down the line. So at least knowing roughly where you want to get to is really important. And in, interestingly, you said about that lifestyle, a, a lot of business owners, a lot of entrepreneurs, you know, they want to get to the top. They want to be Elon Musk. They want to be the richest man in the world. But interestingly, I think now things are changing and people are a lot more comfortable deciding to be that lifestyle style. Yeah. And actually what you've done is you've, you've even taken a backward step to then go forward again, but you've, you've kind of stepped out of the business to slow down. I know you've kind of filled your time with another job, but yeah, that, that's in itself. 
Yeah, definitely. And like that, that was a very conscious decision. With Aero, it got to the point where I was an SEO. I, I'm, a, I'm a complete geek. So I, I started this because I was doing SEO and I was building out tools and stuff that helped make us better. And then you get to the 50 or so people mark and you're not doing that anymore. I, was, I got to the point where I was kind of doing spreadsheets and dealing with the stuff that's either really shit or hearing about the stuff that's really good. And everything in the middle is dealt with by people who, frankly, are better at their job than, than I was. Like we, we'd hire people who were great at coding and innovation and that kind of stuff. We'd hire people who were great at delivery, great at managing clients and great at managing the team. So you slowly but surely extricate yourself from the day to day, which means that like you either decide that you're gonna make yourself a job or you decide that it's time to make a change. And Paddy and I think quite differently as well. Like he wants to be in there. He loves doing the people side and the culture side of things. So him wanting to be in there kind of all the time and me slowly but surely extricating myself, at some point we'd have fallen out. We didn't because we got ahead of it and we went to the pub and we had a chat and we worked out what we were gonna do. But you can't, in my opinion, have two founders who want kind of almost completely different things or work in completely different ways without at least acknowledging that that's the case and agreeing, hey, it's okay, we'll, we'll carry on as we are, or you make that change. And, and we decided it was time to make that change. So again, I've got a co-founder here, which is great. It's it's really interesting to hear that because I think we're, we're kind of similar in that view that actually at some point one of us or, or maybe both of us or however we want to do it we need to kind of realign but on the flip side having somebody who thinks differently to you how how much has that helped get to where you are Com- completely I, I honestly don't think that Paddy or I would have built the company that we have if we didn't have each other in very different ways like we, we, we kind of joke I'm a bit more right wing he's a bit more left wing it's not that extreme but we, we meet in the middle because he's very people focused and I want to grow a business and make some money and like we, we both want the, the same thing we both want happy people and a profitable company but we come at it from slightly different ways so having like two different mindsets two different thought processes from two quite different people who ultimately get on and are happy to go for a beer with each other that that's a massive benefit to error. And we kind of pass that down as well. So we have a couple of directors who, again, think quite differently in similar ways to, to Paddy and I, and, and they've kind of helped build out Aero to, to what it is today. So, yeah, I think I think it's a good thing. If anybody was going into a business and, and starting a business and wanted my advice as to whether or not they should find a co-founder or somebody to work with, then 100% yes. And I'd agree. But even even then it's still quite a lonely journey. Mm-hmm. Even with a co-founder, with somebody that you can talk to whenever you want and bounce things off and they know just as much as you do about the business, it's still quite a tough, lonely journey. Yeah. Have you felt, what's been your lowest point? Oh, that's a good question. There have been a few, I, in all honesty. I think when we got to the 18, 20, 25 people mark, that was a, the toughest point for me. And there's a few reasons kind of outside of work as, as well as, in, as inside of work. And I actually had to take kind of a month or six weeks off at, at that point as well. And Paddy kind of had my back and, and, and took things on. But I think like as you grow, you go from being this small team that's you against the world to a growing team where you need that kind of structure and boundaries and all of those kinds of things. 
and then you kick on through that and you get to 50 people which has its its own challenges and there's other challenges I'm sure when you get to the 100 200 people mark but you're right it, it is still a lonely journey because you like you you go through stages of making payroll and needing to find clients to be able to grow and that's hard but actually kind of hard and easy way because it's just like let's kick on we're doing this we're going to grow this thing and then it's like okay so it's not us against the world anymore we have this team that we've got kind of 20 people working for us we're responsible for them and making sure that they can pay for their cars and their mortgages and their food and, and everything they've also got dependents so that's kind of other halves and kids and so on and all of a sudden you're responsible for a huge amount of people and kind of getting your head around that and also realizing that you can't be friends with everybody in the team as well and like yes you can still care but actually you need to take that step back I don't think I ever expected how hard that would be and it took me a long time to adjust for that um, which would probably be a surprise to like some of my friends from from school that have known me for 20 years like they always say you're fucking dead inside kind of thing <laughs> but it, it yeah it's hard it's it's just knowing that everybody is relying on you almost yeah yeah. And it's going, I guess, it, yeah, it's going from that family and almost a family environment, which is what small business is. You're really close. You're, you know what each other are doing every weekend, every day. And, and it's that to, to being a bit more corporate with the processes, procedures. And, and as you say, you can't be that, that friend to everyone. Yeah. You have to take a step back. So going back to being co-founders again, because this obviously this is something I love and I'm kind of really interested in. When you come to talking and communicating and, and you have an idea and Paddy's decided actually, no, he doesn't agree with it. Mm. And you, you, you go with it or you, you kind of push forward. How fundamental is it that you don't blame each other or point fingers at each other and, and focus? Yeah, but very much so. There, there's... We haven't fallen out very many times, fortunately. I think that is because we've always kind of kept in mind that we do think quite differently, as I said before, and you have to meet in the middle. So there's times when I have probably not wanted to do something because, I don't know, it's going to cost a fortune or it's going to, you know, it's going to take focus away from like, the business versus Paddy, who's probably wanted to do something because it's right for the people, and if it's right for the people, then it's right for error. And we've we've definitely disagreed on on those kinds of things, but ultimately you find a way through it and, and, and you meet in the middle. If you don't do that, or if you if you make a decision and it goes wrong, like if you blame each other, it's going to start falling apart. And there's, there's times I know when we've lost a client because I've missed something, or Paddy feels like he's missed something, and it's cost us, cost us a client, like that, that's okay still because it happens and you're not gonna sit there and go, well, you've cost us a hundred grand and, and that means that we can't do X, Y, and Z because like, we're, we're not like that. We, we try and be good people to the team, to the clients and, and to each other. I think if you do that, then that gets you a hell of a long way. So kind of flipping that then, what's been your biggest success? Probably stepping back. like. Getting to the point with a company that is still a small business, let's let's be honest, that I've been able to step back from and it hasn't fallen apart. I'm pretty proud of that. It was a very weird thing to go through, like going on holiday in July for a couple of weeks and coming back and, and that's kind of it. I'm there a day a week or half a day a week. 
that was definitely a weird process to go through, but being able to get to that point is, yeah, I'm, I'm, I'm pretty proud of that. It, it must be pretty empowering to be able to to leave the business and, and know that it's, it's functioning without you or to to not be in there knowing the day-to-day work and to have the team doing everything and and you're just kind of coming in as and when or, or, yeah. or the, the days that you choose. Yeah, it's, uh, honestly, there's times when it's been great. There's times when things aren't quite as we would like to, them to be and I just have to accept that the team have got it covered and, and that Paddy's got it covered. So like, not wading in and not like stamping my feet and trying to fix things myself. That, that's definitely been a challenge. <laughs> but for the most part, it's, as you say, yeah, it's been really empowering and being able to kind of take a step back and work on something different that is quite different, that's got completely different aims, that, that's been good fun as well. So I'm kind of getting the best of both worlds at the moment and yeah. seeing the kids, which is, which is always good. That's a massive perk. And I think yeah. that's, that's something that a lot of people struggle to balance it's it's how much they want to spend time at home with family and also how much they want to spend time working because actually most business owners want to spend a lot of time doing both and unfortunately we don't have that much time yes so have you ever thought that Hera wasn't going to work I mean this at risk of sounding arrogant no I don't I don't think so we we grew in we we got lucky with the timing to a point so Starting a business when we did, like, yes, COVID's happened, but actually over the last 10, since 2008, the economy's been pretty good and business, businesses have been able to grow. So building an agency in a time when it has been pretty plain sailing as far as kind of business growth goes, like we, we, we picked a good time. So I don't think we've ever had a moment where I thought that we might go under. There's been really challenging moments, that there's no question of that, but we were profitable pretty much from day one. I don't think we had an unprofitable month in the first half a decade of running the company. COVID threw a few spanners in the works, but actually I, it was almost a fun challenge to work out how to get through that. And we came out of the other side and everybody knows now that everybody kicked on because like, yes, the world changed, but things were okay. It's more challenging now than it ever has been, but no, I don't think there's any any time when I thought it wasn't going to work. I, I guess that's that's probably made a big shift for your industry, being digital marketing and and that side of it, because it forced everybody to go online that wasn't. Yeah, and it forced people to look a lot more at what their digital digital marketing or digital presence looks like. Yeah. So did that. Did that help at all? Did did you find that? Yeah, hundred percent. Because like we we had we had a massive contract that we were about to sign in the travel industry just as COVID hit. Like we so we we'd signed on a much larger office that would take us from the kind of thirty or so people mark up to potentially eighty odd people. So we got this massive room that we'd signed on in the December before COVID. Our rent free period ended on April the first, and we sent everybody home middle of March. So we had that whole time where we got this kind of big new office that we just couldn't use. But actually like having people at home, it was a big change for the business, but the way that the world changed was probably a good thing for us because we had to think a bit more about our client profile. And yes, we lost some big contracts like the travel one that I mentioned before, but everything went online. So when you're looking at kind of a a switch over to e-commerce and we were already pretty strong in in e-com anyway, 
we, we were able to pick loads of new clients up. There's some businesses that absolutely smashed it because of COVID. Like, there's, there's no question that COVID made it easier for some people to, to build a business. I think two years on, it's harder because the world's kind of going back to normal and you've got this weird kind of hybrid thing that's happening at the moment and it's taken a little while to settle. So it, it, it's more challenging now, but I think COVID, yeah, I think it helped us. Interestingly, I think most people I've spoke to on this podcast have said that COVID helped. There's not many that have said, actually, COVID was a bad thing. Well, obviously, COVID itself was a bad thing, yeah, but from, from their business point of view, yeah. actually, those that were struggling at the time, it gave them a, a, a way of reducing costs and, and furlough supported that. Yeah. And then also, as you said, most businesses have come out the back of it having learned or, or the way the industries have changed and actually adapted and improved because of that. And that might be because that's just the businesses that I talk to and I'm interested in. It's high growing businesses or businesses that are really pushing forwards. But going back, actually you said COVID was just another challenge. Every year that you run a business, there is always a challenge. There is always something that comes up. There's always a hurdle that you have to jump over. So it was just another one. Yeah. It was a... It's a pretty big one. It, yeah, it was a huge <laughs> one. It was very kind of nerve-wracking, but actually it was just the norm. Yeah, yeah. And from a business point of view, it was probably seemed scarier than it actually was. You know, having to send everybody home and close the office and lockdowns and obviously, like, from an outside-of-work perspective, COVID was hard for a, a lot of people. But for the business, like, yes, it was difficult for a few months, but all the support that was there, like the furlough scheme... As, as, as a great example, it made sure that we could get through it and we didn't have to make redundancies, which in turn meant that we could bring the team back. And it took four or five months, but we, we came through it. And, and yeah, it wasn't as scary as it seemed at the time. And did that play a part in you wanting to spend more time at home with the kids? Weirdly, I've never thought of it like that. But yeah, maybe. And on the other side, it might have meant, meant that I never wanted to be at home with them ever again. <laughs> um, I remember that the first lockdown when it was glorious sun, I think it was April time. I said to my other half, like, imagine doing this in the bowels of November when it's drizzling and horrible. And then you fast forward and we're in a lockdown and it's November and, and drizzling and horrible. But uh, yeah, getting to spend that time with the kids made a massive difference to how I think about everything, I suppose. And I had a real epiphany as well the year after covid it was like we I was always trying to push on and trying to kind of make us more money or get a bigger house or a better car and all of that kind of stuff and family was always important but it, it kind of it, it probably got to the point where I was more focused on trying to to get more as opposed to just being happy with what we have and we're very lucky like we, we've got a lovely house kids are great we can buy pretty much what we want to buy and take nice holidays we're not like absolutely completely well off by any stretch of the imagination but we've got a good comfortable life and being okay with with that and and being okay with having enough is a real big flip in thinking and I think when you when you have that that epiphany and I think a lot of people will at some point go through that as you mature and you know I was 40 this year so I'm I'm, I'm getting a bit older but, but having that having that epiphany was huge for me because it meant that I kind of reset how I thought about Kind of the work-life balance and what I wanted to do, and and how I kind of engaged with with 
like my, my kids and my other half as well. So yeah, that that was a big turning point for me. And interestingly, you've mentioned a few things there. So you've mentioned enough. Something I I kind of talk about quite a lot is is once you find you're enough, it becomes quite empowering because then suddenly you're not chasing money. You can chase other things like spending your time at home and things like that but I think it's a really tough to find what your enough is because we're going back to what you said it's, it's materialistic things you need a bigger house or you've got you've got a spare room but you still need a bigger house you've got a, a spare office again it or you need that bigger car actually it still gets you from A to B it, yeah. it feels nicer and it's it's a lot better but I think we are so focused on just achieving what we class as success and it's, it's trying to find what you class as success to then be comfortable with what you've got yeah 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 so it, it's it's finding that success and what, what we can do there so I, by the sounds of it you're kind of arguably found your you're enough and you've found yeah your comfort zone I, I think that changes over time as well so you, you know you, you mentioned everything there with the house and the car and all of that kind of stuff and at some point in your life for most people that is probably the right thing to be chasing because it means that you want to you want to get on and it gives you that motivation not everybody's money oriented we've, we've had a lot of people through the years at, at era who who weren't kind of oriented around money and we've had a lot who were so like seeing those different personality types and what what enough is for them that's probably kind of impacted me a little bit as well but over time that will change like having a couple of kids and wanting to make sure that they can get the the best out of life as well like you don't run a business just to kind of have another job you need I, I think that if you're a business owner you need to do it because you want to achieve something because of something else so for me now it's making sure that my kids can kind of can have what they need as they grow up. We can take some great holidays together and we can look back on that as a time that we had as a family and we had kind of the very cliche, but like the, the happy times as they grow up because you never get that back. Fast forward 10, 15 years or so, they probably won't want to speak to me anymore because they'll be off doing their own thing and enough will be something different. So again, like accepting that that, that changes over time will probably make you happier as well because you're not always looking for that end goal and that end point because there isn't an end point until you're six foot under. So accept that, that things change as, as time goes on. See, you also mentioned happy there. Are you happy? Yeah, I'd say so. I'm happier now than I've been in a very, very long time because I'm, I'm comfortable. And like, that, that's what I was going to say. Going back, were you always happy? No, definitely not. No. But it, it, you've built it to be, or you've built your your position to be where you want it to be, and it's it's made a huge impact. Yeah, yeah, very much so. I, I, I kind of mentioned it before. There was a time when I was really, really like deeply unhappy, and from the outside, it would have looked like we had all the success in the world. But like that external perception isn't always the reality, and you, you find that with everybody that you speak to. I'm, I'm, I'm sure. But yeah, there's there's always there's always something else. So yeah, it's like now, very, yeah, very happy. And that that family, like, is your family happier? I would say so. I hope so. Like, yeah, she hasn't divorced me yet. So that, that's a good start. <laughs> yeah, I think I think now we're in a, a 
good place. Like with Blush, we've got some work to do because we're, we're still a four-person team. So, you know, from a work point of view, we know that we need to grow a little bit to give us some resilience and, and be able to kind of to, to deliver the services that we want to deliver to the kinds of businesses that, that we want to work with. So there's, there's some work to do there, but I don't think that changes how happy we are. It just changes what we focus on. And I think if Nicola and I were, were honest, we would probably want a little bit more time away from Blush as a, as a headspace thing because we think about it a lot because again, like we know that we need to grow it. But like this has been really, really picky. You know, we, we're very lucky with with how we are now. So again, working with a partner, mm. how does that? When you go home, when you're at home, do you still talk about business? Is it? Do you have that switch off, or is it still very? Yeah, we, we do talk about work. Maybe a little bit more than we should do at the moment. But we again, we're, we're quite fortunate. We leave at four every day to go and pick the kids up together. And we try and have that switch off time. So I can't remember the last time when I had to open my laptop in an evening to do some work. There's times when I've chosen to because we had a pitch or we had kind of a big piece of delivery that we were working on for a client. But I can't remember the last time that I I had to sit on the sofa until 11 o'clock at night doing some work. So I think that's probably a a good measure of of whether things are where they need to be or not. Yeah. And so the stresses as well don't come home with you they tend to stay and it sounds like it's I guess so my next question was going to be if you could go back to the beginning and start again would you and it sounds like that's pretty much what you've done yeah I, there's there's parts of this that I wouldn't do again but that's everybody's got a PhD with hindsight is a good quote that, that I like to use that somebody told me a while ago blush isn't about going back to the start and doing this again at all it's, it's very different so we'll never be more than 8 or 10 people Again, the lifestyle business comment that I made before, like that, that's exactly what Blush and, and what we aim Blush to be. So like having a really kind of good, close-knit team with clients that we know inside out. There's people that I've known for 10 or 12 years that, that we work with now. So this 100% isn't about going back and building another era at all. It, it's very different to that. So I don't see it as going back to the start. I see it as going back and doing something that I genuinely enjoy whilst also getting to work on era which is a great business as well so kind of got the best of both worlds which is which is very fortunate so where do you see yourself in the future in five years time for example i think i i don't want to be working forever the difficulty is like knowing that at some point the kids are going to move off and have jobs and lives of, of their own it, it's hard to to imagine what life looks like when you're not responsible for two small people anymore. So my, if you ask me now, my aim is to not be working in the next five years, give or take, or have more of a choice not to be working in the next five years or so. I've been able to ramp down now, but I can't retire forever. So getting to the point where we know that we could retire and not have to work at all, that's, that's the next step. And the step after that is when you actually do it. And who knows when that is. But but having that choice is huge because if you don't have to work, then the amount of kind of freedom that that gives you is is massive. And I've I've kind of got a glimpse of that. I want to get to the the next stage of it. And I think there's a difference between the financial freedom of doing it to actually, would you not be bored at home? That's it. I'm not the kind of person that just wants to sit and rot. So if I... (laughs) 
if I retired, I'd be horrible. I'd be really horrible. <laughs> I need I need something to be doing. I'm crap at golf, so I can't go and play golf every day. Or I could, but I'd just I'd want to throw things. You'd probably improve. But... Probably, but like, yeah, I don't know. I I don't think that's me either. So having something, I, I love the consultancy side. I love meeting people. I love kind of talking through challenges that people have. And I think at least in the short to medium term, I wouldn't want to lose that. But at some point. Yeah, I'll, I'll I'll take a step back. And and talking about the kids, something. So I've got a one year old now, which is a nightmare. But I mean, it's great, but equally, <laughs> yeah. the troubles of teething at the moment. But someone said to me, I said that probably wouldn't go away this year because, you know, with everything that's going on, it's, it it doesn't make sense to go on holiday. And they said, you do realise you've probably got sixteen to seventeen holidays with her if you go and I kind of thought wow like when you start putting it into perspective you've got you've got 16 holidays before she doesn't want to go with her dad exactly exactly yeah but I I wish I could find it again there's this great chart that shows how much time you have left to spend with the different people in your life and it shows that progression as you age and they get older and it's Frightening how few hours when you get when your kids, as an example, get to 18, 20 years old, how few hours you'll actually spend with them over the next 50 or 60 years. So making the most of that now is is huge. And then to flip that on its head, it was looking at parents. So actually, again, you never know when it sounds quite kind of dark, but you never know when the last time you're gonna hug your parents are and things yeah. like that. Or the last time you went and played football with your mates actually it happened you didn't realise it at the time but that was the last time Yeah. and something I've kind of realised recently is actually when was the last time I hugged my dad actually last time I hugged my dad was on my wedding day three years ago and that was you know he he was over the moon and we hugged and things like that actually I think we did hug when I told him I was having a daughter as well but that's twice in three years. Yeah. And it's only when there's something big happened and you never know when when that could be. And then, again, going back to your, that chart you mentioned, I think I've seen something similar of, you know, if you see your, your parents once a month, that's 12 times a year, 5, 10, 20 years. But that's not long. No, no. And it's quite scary when you start putting it into... You know, actually, how many times will you see different people? Yeah, yeah, exactly. And, and again, since stepping back from era, I've had a little bit more time. And like one of my best mates that I spent a huge amount of time with, kind of when we were growing up and at uni and so on, I hadn't really seen him for the last five years or so. And he said to me a few times, like, best thing that's happened from you stepping back is firstly, you actually reply to your texts within <laughs> a day or so as opposed to three weeks. But actually just kind of having that time to, to spend and, and see each other. And it's the same with the family. You know, we're, we're quite spread out. My, my family's up in Cheshire. So it's a it's a good two and a half hour drive or so. But I've, I've had the time to make the effort to go and see them. And it's still not huge amounts, but it's probably doubled or tripled that amount of time that I actually get to, to spend some time with them. So that, that's made a big difference as well. And it's, that stuff's more important. It's more important than sat behind a computer screen playing on the internet. Like that, that really means something that that is important so you know if you get into that mindset of work is everything like you you're going to look back on it and regret it 
I completely agree. Which is weird saying on a business podcast, it, but you know. it, it is. But it's 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 true, and that's what we we need to kind of bring to the light a bit more and, and focus on a bit more. I guess also on that, have you found that you're a lot more present? Yeah, I, w- I would say so. And that was definitely not the case a few years ago where I was just like all over the place with like not being able to, to focus on anything at home. And Paddy and I have spoken about this a few times. He had the same advice from his old boss who's been a massive mentor to him. And it's I think it's something that most business owners really struggle with it's it's that being present so when you're at home and you're having a conversation just trying to stop your brain thinking about something else and it's it's really hard but I would say definitely over the last like nine months it it's I'm way more present than I have been ever before it took a while like I the first three months of, of stepping back I don't think I realized how much I actually needed to just kind of stop and reset my brain a little bit but that's that's happened and like since Christmas I think I've been able to kind of kick in and get back to get back to me and, and I imagine that's really empowering as well to to be present in them situations and it changes your relationships with everybody yeah because you're you're there and I think there's a lot again as a business owner you can't help but think about all these things and to focus on all these other things that are going on but it's being able to shut off at some points and you know when you're with your wife you are with her you're talking about stuff that's going on at home when you're with the kids you're with them playing doing whatever it is that they're doing not oh hang on I just need to look at this email I just need to to reply over here yeah exactly it's actually doing the stuff at home as opposed to just paying lip service to it so you mentioned your friends said that you're you're around a bit more now how would your friends describe you in three words <laughs> I don't know if it's actually repeatable to be honest <laughs> I, don't, I, I honestly don't know I, I think depending on the friend that you asked it would be a completely different answer you know my, my best mate that I've spent the most time with since I was kind of 14, 15 we see each other see each other in inverted commas every Tuesday we play games together and the mate that I mentioned before as well we probably see each other two or three times a year and, and go to the pub so Asking how they describe me in three words, I honestly don't know. I wish I could come up with an answer off the top of my head, but I, I, I don't know. I'll ask them, and they will 100% swear at me. But, yeah. <laughs> I imagine that's also changed again over the couple of years. Again, being more present, being more available to, to spend time together and things like that. It's, yeah, yeah, it I would have, say so. It will have adapted. Okay, so we've also then got these cards here. I have a load of questions on it that they are from the diary of a CEO. But what we're going to do is we're going to pick one at random and we're going to answer that. So we'll do one each. So okay. do, you want, do you want to go first or second? Go on, I'll go. That's all up. What's something that people value that you no longer value? We'll probably need to pick three actually because we've, we've talked about this. Like just having everything and like money being the most important thing. I, I think a lot of people value that but I, I don't think it's the most important thing in the world anymore so we'll, we've talked about that we'll skip that I'll pick another one okay <clears throat> what's one thing you regret not saying to somebody and why didn't you say it could have gone from an easy one to a <laughs> terrible one that's a tough one I've got a good example actually so there's one person at 
Aero, who's gone on to create his own business and he's quite early in his journey. There was a time when he had handed his notice in and was leaving and he was a little bit unsure and we, we had a conversation about kind of whether he should leave or not and I think I was a big part in persuading him to stay. Deep down, looking back on it, he probably should have left at that point. And he fast forward six months and he handed his notice in and, and, and left and it was 100% the right time for him to go when he did. We're still friends, like we, we wished him all the best. But I think like, he probably should have left that six months before. So that, that's one example. It's probably not the biggest example in my, my life, but I think it's one good example where, again, as, as you build a business, at some point you have to accept that great people are, are going to leave and be okay with that. And like, not just persuading people to stay because you think it's the right thing to do for your, for your business as opposed to what's actually the right thing to do for everybody. And, and on that, something I've always been told is hire fast, fire faster. Yeah. Or, or allow people to go faster, I guess, not necessarily fire, but it's, if it's not right, then you, you it feels like a kick in the teeth, but you kind of need to accept it and, and move on and build around that. Yeah, I, we, we've never prescribed to the hire fast, fire fast thing. We, we've always taken a long time over hiring, sometimes to the detriment of the business. We probably could have been much bigger than we are now if we'd have hired a little bit quicker and and like pushed to, to kick on faster. We always wanted to grow quite organically. So we, like, and this came from Paddy to, to be fair to him, like he always said, if it's a maybe, it's a no and any interviews that we do, we've tried to kind of carry that through even even to this day. So we spent a lot of time picking picking the right people. And there's times we've made mistakes, but we've we've had to let very, very few people go over the years because of performance, like less than a handful. So I think like going through that lengthy process of making sure that that person is right has been good for us. That being said, we have definitely not let go of some people when we should have done. So we've, we've held on to people because they're the right cultural fit or we want to do the right thing by them and we found them a different role in a different department when actually they probably should have left and you fast forward three or six months and they leave anyway. So Yeah, you, you end up trying to do the right thing, you try and put them into that role, but actually they'd have been better off just looking for a different job elsewhere quicker yeah. Yeah. Than, than almost it's long, not so enjoying, yeah. Yeah. Turning potentially turning toxic or anything like that. Yeah. Okay, I'm gonna grab one then. I'll go with this one. So what was the best conversation you ever had and why? That's tough. <laughs> the best conversation I ever had. So if we go back, my business partner, me and Catherine, we both worked at a different business and she was we we would we'd, we'd built Utopia. We'd got the name. We'd kind of started to get the traction going, and she decided that she was going to leave and go for another job. She got an interview. She passed. She she got offered the job, and she handed in a notice. Fifteen days into that no thirty day notice period, she got nervous, panicked, and decided to stay. And I think that is probably one of the best conversations we've had because here we are today we've built the business and we've we've kind of grown to where we are but we were 15 days away from not even starting so i think that's probably been one of the best conversations yeah 
Do, do you think you'd have done it yourself anyway? I might have done it myself. Would I don't think so. And I definitely wouldn't be where we are today without her going back to, I'm again, I'm probably the right wing one. She's a bit more left wing. And actually... I would have I would have employed twenty members of staff. She slows it all down. She slows down the process and makes sure it's all done properly. Yeah. So we're building something much slower than personally I would choose. But procedures are in place. Things aren't getting missed. There's it's a lot tighter than I would do. I'm very good at seeing shiny things and jumping at them, and she's she's very good at stopping that completely and shutting down what I do and and looking at it in a kind of well-rounded point of view rather than that shiny get it yeah um, yeah I, and again I, I guess from what you've said you, you meet in the middle with, with that stuff like you, you need that bright shiny mentality as well because if not you, you're not going to grow you know you, you can be pragmatic about as you can be pragmatic about things, but at some point you need to take those risks and, and try and kick on. So again, having that balance between you sounds like it, it's a good dynamic. Yeah, and then going back to the blame thing, you know, we both come up with ideas, we both suggest things. Some of them don't work, probably a lot of them don't work. In reality, we don't grow in our comfort zone, so we have to push ourselves and we have to make mistakes to learn. So we've done we've done a lot of that, but actually we we both have always stood by each other and we've always supported each other in everything. So that's helped a lot. So again, going back to one of my big loves is AI. How do you think AI is affecting you, you and your industry? So th- this is all very much a a work in progress for everybody but I think what it's doing is making it easier to do the kind of lower level mundane tasks that you probably didn't want to do anyway so the, the way that I'm thinking of this is and I'll give credit to Robin who works at Aero he described AI as you should treat AI as if you have a really energetic intern working for you or something like that because it will go off and it will do what you tell it to do and it will come back with an answer. Is it the right answer? Like maybe, maybe not, or maybe somewhere in between. So a lot of the way that I'm using it personally is just to give me a starting point. So if we're doing a kind of a set of keyword research for a client or we having to write kind of content on mass or come up with ideas for content, then plugging some prompts in that come back with an answer and point you in the right direction. For me, that, that's a great start. I'm dealing with data and, and so on as well and, and looking for trends and kind of picking out key salient points from larger pieces of, of content. Again, that, that's a good example of, of where you can use AI to speed things up. Should you use AI to give you very important answers about very important things that you're not gonna go off and check? 100% no, because it doesn't have that nuance. And really, what it's doing is kind of taking answers from all over the place, mushing it all together, and giving you its opinion, in inverted commas. So it's, it, you know, it's great, and it's making a difference, and I'm fully on board with it. And yes, it's kind of changing the world, and that's, that's happened seemingly quite quickly, but actually it's been kind of a long, slow build-up to this point. But it's got a long way to go as well. So interestingly... 
I've seen a set of accounts completed by AI. Mm. Obviously, the, the right information was plugged into it, but it managed to produce a tax return correct. Yeah. Would you trust it to do a tax return? I think I would trust it more to do a tax return than I would for it to give me relationship advice. Because a, a tax return is largely a yes or a no answer. <laughs> Obviously speaking to you, like you can do a tax return and you can have the right numbers on a page from the right inputs, see so inputs, outputs. But again, there's some nuance to that tax return where there probably is kind of things that you can move and change depending on the person whose business it is and the situation that they're in individually. So I suppose that is a good example of where that would give you a starting point that you then firstly sanity check to make sure the numbers are right and then make sure that you've applied every bit of nuance that you need to apply to that individual situation. And, that, and that's where I see our roles going is actually doing the work. You, you could get an AI to do it and I imagine in a couple of years time banks are moving into that space and being able to do that you know, to produce a tax return how much have you earned at 20% 40% whatever it is there's your tax return yeah. however as you say it's that relationship side of it it's looking at okay if we did it slightly differently to the way you'd normally do it what does that do how does that impact you Yeah. and that's the bit that I think is key the advisory and that's what we've we've doubled down on but the, the strategic side and it, it's similar for like code is a great example you know you, you can ask AI to code your website or code you an integration with an API and it will do it for you and it will give you some code that will probably work is it right in that situation and, and has it applied the nuance that it needs to apply no but again it, it, it gives you that starting point so yeah and going back to what you mentioned it's an intern how is this going to affect kids coming out of school getting jobs? Because the entry-level jobs are being taken by AI. I think that businesses are going to have to accept that they need to double down on training like young, good, hungry people to be able to think commercially and think strategically. And again, you know, as time goes on, me and my other half, I'm, I'm as I said before, I'm 40, she's a little bit older, and we were right in between the point where you have PCs at school when you're kind of 10 or 12. She didn't get them until she was a little bit older. Like that was a massive change in, in how you work because it was about typing things as opposed to writing them on paper. I think it's gonna be the same with AI. Like my kids now, you fast forward five or 10 years, they'll be using this day in, day out, and it's already kind of starting where they're playing around with it. So they're, they're just going to be used to it and they're going to be used to, be able to being able to get answers from it. So having that as a tool that's available to them means that the kind of higher level thinking in that strategic side that we talked about is going to be more important than it ever has been before. So that, as I said before, commercial thinking, strategic thinking and being able to take kind of answers from a tool or answers from something that you come up with yourself and apply it to the real world, businesses are going to have to double down on training people how to do that. So yes, it gets rid of some of the entry level jobs, but does it really just make everybody step up to that next level up? Maybe, we, we don't know yet, but, but maybe. And, I, and if it does, that's probably a good thing because it means as a, as a, as a human race, we're kicking on. I completely agree, but it's, it's going to be tougher for them, mm. I think more than anything else, because traditionally the strategic stuff is, 
comes with experience. You, you need the experience to be in that position to be able to do that. And actually, they're going to skip the the how to bit or the the entry level bit. So it's going to be kind of how do we teach the experience or how do we get the experience to them sooner? Because they've got more time because they've got the answers from a tool, maybe. And and the tool could provide them with the answers to then to then do that. But it's it's going to be interesting and I think again your kids, my kids, like what their roles will be will be very different and it will be very interesting to see how that happens. I mean kids are already getting A stars on uni degrees or it's not A stars but they're already completing uni degrees because of chat GPT yeah yeah which is dangerous because you walk into a job and you're asked to do something kind of there and then in front of somebody can you do it so I think I have a different view to a lot of people on this actually that kid used the initiative to get through because a lot of a lot of school a lot of studying is very much memorizing the textbook the kids that pass school have memorized textbooks and they know how to do that bit they might not necessarily have the the initiative to go and adapt and to do these things whereas the people who are now adapting to using this software and using these prompts that's a skill in itself yeah yeah, I'd agree with that. I suppose it makes it's almost making this more vocational, isn't it? Like the the desk and the office jobs, it's it's that vocational side to it, which is which is actually more important. Being able to do it in the real world, that that's where you make make a difference. So yeah, because, because if, if if a kid that passed their uni degree perfectly, hundred percent, that used ChatGPT comes to you, and a kid that studied, don't get me wrong, there's a lot of hard work gone into it. There's a lot. It shows a lot as well but actually if both of them can do one one's using ai as a prompt one's doing it manually we already know that ai is going to streamline it and make it a quicker way of doing it yeah so from a commercial point of view that person is more beneficial than the one that works hard yeah which is a very scary way of looking at it and it's it's an interesting it's going to be interesting over the next few years what that does and I guess again you know you you hire a lot more people than me so it'll be interesting more to see how that happens yeah yeah I'm I always hesitate when we start to have these conversations because I I just don't know I know I know that I think it's a good thing I know that I think it has its uses I know there's, there's definitely risks there but just seeing how it's going to change how we hire and how we do things as a business, especially in marketing, because like content's obviously the, the most important thing when you when you look at marketing. This, this podcast is a, is a great example, and AI is fundamentally changing how people think about about content. And there's a big risk that you end up with businesses trying to cut corners because they think that AI can just do it for them, when that's not really the case. You know, if you just use AI to churn out some content that you put on your website, it's not going to get you anywhere. Or it might get you somewhere for a little bit of time, but everybody can do it, so therefore you get lost in, in, in the mix. Like It is going to fundamentally change things. And again, like as people, when we can see an easy route that we can get things done very fast and very cheaply, very often we'll take it, and, and it's probably not the right answer. So yeah, it, it, it's going to be interesting. Who knows what things look like in two years' time. 
<laughs> well, maybe we'll have a chat in two years. That sounds good. Okay, brilliant. Is there anything that you expected me to ask you that I didn't? Honestly, no. No, I don't think so. It's been it's been interesting. Like being made to think about this stuff. It's very it, even now. It's not that often that I kind of get to sit and have a chat with somebody who's done this hundreds of times, and and think about how things have changed and and what kind of I've done over the last few years. I I'm, I, I know that I don't know it all. And I'm always really really conscious of that. But just being able to kind of take a step back and and think about it. It's it's as interesting for me as hopefully like people listening to this rambling is it's as interesting for them i'm sure it will be okay brilliant well i'll close it there then thank you for coming in if you've enjoyed listening to our podcast please like and follow and make sure to tag us on social media